We're back with another episode of Cinema Club. I am feeling kind of a lot better. My head is not as achy. My headache has subsided significantly. My roommate made me some dinner tonight. I watched some scary content earlier. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling okay. Yeah, and I'm also feeling pretty good. I opened my windows for the first time in like a week and a half or something, and it felt nice. Like, I'm pretty sure every time I've been leaving my apartment and coming back into my apartment, it just, like, is stuffy and, like, smells like two humans and a cat live in this apartment. That is a really good name of, like, a mumblecore movie. Two humans and a cat living in this apartment. And this is Cinema Club. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in, clicking the episode, being here to listen to us talk about some movies and some TV shows and some life. Hope everyone is doing well. You know, I hope everyone is uh, in California, at least, or on the West Coast, um, are able to breathe a little easier. Doesn't mean you should take your mask off, because you absolutely shouldn't. And yeah, I hope everyone's, you know, able to enjoy like a stroll to the nearest mailbox and back i'm a little more hesitant about sharing because i'm a nervous anxious person is that a film of mine will be screening at drunken film fest october 5th and 7th both in person in oakland as well as online and yeah you can Mm go and watch my hey. first movie I ever made. Very exciting. It's happening. Do, where, where can people buy tickets? Actually, you don't have to get any tickets because it's entirely free. You can watch it free online and the screenings in person will be free with limited capacity and they'll be streaming, I believe, on Twitch. Uh, I'm part of like section one of the festival program, so our screening days are the 5th and the 7th with online screenings of them around those days as well. More info to come. But yeah, I'm I'm very excited. I'm also very nervous. Stay tuned, everyone. There'll be lots of very fun treats for you to attend, you know, virtually, online, and maybe perhaps in person. Yeah, hopefully we'll see some of you there and we can do smile eyes because our faces will be covered by masks. And so we can smile eye and wave at each other. It'll be great. I can't wait. Enough about our movies and our events. We have what everyone's here for, the movies that we watched this week. What did we watch this week, Erica? Lingua Franca is about Olivia, who is a Filipina caregiver who is taking care of a an elderly Russian woman named Olga. And we follow Olivia as she kind of navigates life as an undocumented worker in the States, in Brooklyn specifically, as she tries to gain citizenship and a green card in the States through marriage. One of those opportunities that come up in the film for Olivia is Olga's grandson, Alex, kind of presents himself and the two, Olivia and Alex, kind of develop a romantic relationship. Well, I really love this movie because uh, it it follows kind of a slower pace, which isn't unknown to the Cinema Club podcast. It takes on the slower, more voyeuristic approach of following our main character, Olivia, and kind of an audience, aka us, kind of experiencing the same experiences 
her struggles, her ups and downs as the film progresses. One of the struggles um, of our main character, Olivia, is that she is an undocumented worker in the States. And on top of that, she's also a trans woman. Um, So as you can imagine, she experiences uh, situations of oppression and prejudice against her. There's a lot of violence or overt racism, sexism, or transphobia that Olivia experiences, but that doesn't mean that our character doesn't necessarily feel those things. One of the things that I really liked about this film was how strong our main character is when it comes to these issues that kind of are brought up in her life um, and are presented to her in a not, you know, not ideal way. I feel like Olivia kind of is resilient. You can tell that her character has has some tough skin. You know, I feel like you can you can tell that her character um, has dealt with these situations before and is able to kind of persevere in a way. I think about that um, early on in the film where Olivia kind of breaks it to one of her good friends that her arrangement with an American man to gain access to a green card through marriage, that plan kind of falls through. And it's, although it's a low point in our main character's life, it's not a huge turning point. I think I'm able to assume that perhaps a situation like this has happened to her before, or maybe she mentally prepared herself. I don't know. But just the way that she handles these situations makes me love her character so much more. But I'm interested to hear what you thought of the film, Jared. I totally love this movie. You know, I actually first heard about it from a tweet from Sean Baker of Florida Project and Tangerine. And, you know, it it kind of intrigued me and then I read about it and then I was really interested. And so I brought it up with Erica to watch for the podcast and I watched it and I was I was completely captured. You know, I I think this movie really succeeds in a lot of its parts. And first of all, Isabel Sandoval's work on all levels of this, you know, I mean, the script is phenomenal. It's tight. It's thoughtful. It's genuine. It's honest. Um, the direction of it is fantastic. I mean, like some of those scenes, especially in the last 20, 30 minutes, just in the way that they're framed and blocked will stick with me forever. Um, especially when they're there, you know, in that, uh, motel room, you know, and they're in the mirrors and they're like looking at each other, but they're looking away from each other. Um, they're like locked into these different frames within the same within the screen. I I just really love this movie. You know, I thought that it was really profound in its addressing of its themes in terms of immigration and trans people in America and just the way that it navigates those worlds. You know, it it doesn't treat it with any kind of taboo. That, to me, made it stand out negatively, you know. It also, it just talks about and lives in these worlds in such an authentic way that it is clearly a film that, like, nobody else could make except for her, which, you know, to me is a testament to excellent storytelling and, you know, a clear distinction of a tone and a voice. You know, I I was actually, I was watching this, or I had seen parts of this documentary on Netflix that was about trans people and trans representation in media and how there's just such an extreme lack of it you know it was like it's it's hard to have real critiques and criticism on trans representation because there's just such a small amount of it you know and it was actually there are some people that were from the pose cast and they were talking about how you know we just there just needs to be more representation like it can be bad films and not bad representations but you know films that are not really good 
and this film by no means is that this film is incredible to me this also was was a film that speaks to these communities and speaks about these worlds in a way that doesn't feel cliche or feel formulaic or feel unoriginal you know we don't have, like you said, Erica, those like extreme examples and visions of transphobia and racism. You know, they're they're treated in a different light. That to me, just felt really fresh and unique. And that was kind of like the whole movie. You know, it felt just up on its own. Yeah, and I also completely agree with the lack of trans representation or transgender representation in film and TV. I think this film does a really good job of including this part of our main character's identity within uh, within portraying her, but I think it also does a really great job of not like constantly harping on that being the only part of this person that we want to portray through this film. Does that make sense? She's her own person, you know. She's a fully dynamic, fleshed-out character and person outside of those two things that I feel like in a lot of other movies consume the entire plot, consume everything around it. And this doesn't do that, you know? It. Yeah. Like in, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I absolutely love Tangerine, but in Tangerine, we, you know, we also experience, um, and see trans women, um, being portrayed in a certain way. And we see the very similar, uh, dynamic in pose. And I feel like this is just such a refreshing way of saying I'm, I am who I am, and I'm more than that. I'm more than what you think I am. I'm more than the only thing that's going to stick in your mind when I tell you about my story. So, Yeah. All right, something else that really stood out for me, um, I'm going to bring up kind of the ending of the film, the last few minutes, because I, I really... I'm interested to hear your thoughts because we talked about it earlier about, you know, how the way this film ends and how it kind of gets its resolution for Olivia and for this story. But also the editing of this movie, I don't know why it, it really stood out to me in a way. And I can't think of anything specific on at the moment, but it just like it, you're you're right in that it, it, it comes off initially as like slow cinema or, you know, more art house sort of styles. But it also it also kind of is it you know it's it's very it's very clear in what it wants to say and what it's doing and it's kind of message and in those ways it's it's very loud you know it's it's very um very moving and very powerful but yeah the the ending for me felt really satisfying you know it it felt like the right and only right way for this to end what do you think i I love the ending. I feel like the ending, you know, I feel like at some point we come to the conclusion that the end of this film has to end one of two ways, right? And spoiler alert, I feel like the ending is either she, Olivia, ends up with Alex or she does not. Um, and the further along the film progresses, me personally, and I'm sure the intention behind the film and also a lot of people who've watched it, um, will feel... Like, maybe she shouldn't be with Alex. He's a bit manipulative. He's also really, um, he's also a liar. He's also kind of a dick. And I feel like it was a nice, refreshing, like, liberating feeling to know that at the end of this, and despite, you know, so much being up in the air for Olivia, that she's able to take control of her life in one of the most important ways that she can possibly in that moment and say no and say no I don't want to be with this person and 
I will continue to find a better op- opportunity for myself. And and I feel like that's not the predictable ending. You know, I feel like in an ending like this, like, or with a film like this, you're kind of rooting for the people to fall in love and be together. But I feel like this, it captures more of the realistic thoughts and ideas and values that individuals feel, you know? It's not always fucking a beautiful ending. It's keep grinding until you find something that you want. Yeah, and I'll also add, I'm really glad we were able to get another New York, Brooklyn love story back on the podcast. It, it, it has been a while. It's been a minute. Um, I've, I've missed my New York love stories. I had been watching them on my own time, but now I'm back on Cinema Club time watching some New York love stories, and I'm happy about it. I'm really happy about it. I'm really happy it was this one as well. Because this is truly just a heartbreaking and fantastic story about love in New York. It's just wonderful. It's just really wonderful. Those last, the last like 20 minutes when they're just like dancing in that bar together. Ugh, beautiful. So beautiful. Honestly, it reminded me of the Atlantics. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of like moment frozen in time and we're just dancing together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Despite things not being entirely ideal. I was also... There's a little b- piece of music that's in there. It's some, like, transition music. You know what I'm talking about? It's that kind of, like, soft piano transitioning that happens in the, throughout the film. It's very subtle. and only happens, like, four times for, like, ten seconds. I tried endlessly to try and... Uh, what's the word? Shazam it. And I couldn't. For, it couldn't pick it up. So if anybody knows, let me know. Anyway, I thought the music was also fantastic. I think we should have, like, a film soundtrack score wish list of, like, all the all the music that we've been trying to, like, hunt down in films. And, like, people – it's, like, that, that Reddit thread that's, like, I'm thinking of blank. And then someone describes, like, a really weird, absurd, and, like, really, like – niche thing you know and then like one person is able to answer it like i feel like that's what we need yes definitely uh google sheet google doc coming soon to all you listeners because we want to know this music we really do i want to know it was so beautiful it reminded me of call me by your name when they're riding bikes around that town together uh that song that song came on again for me the other day and i just cried like a baby because it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> um, yeah. Lingua Franca was not the only film that we watched this week. Jared, do you want to talk about the second film that we watched? The second film we watched was Charlie Kaufman's new film, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. And I'm just going to start to describe this movie by saying this is a very hard slash almost impossible movie to properly describe, but I'm going to try my best, so wish me luck. Uh, spoilers happening now for I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Yeah, so it's this young couple going to see the man's parents at his childhood home, and the movie begins with that phrase, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, and we begin from the point of view of the woman, uh, her, her name in the credits is actually called Young Woman. Throughout the movie, her name changes from Lucy to Mary, and it just kind of follows them throughout this journey, 
both to the house, at the house, and leaving the house. And from there, it kind of transforms into this very surreal, strange ending to a relationship in a way. Uh, and that's, I'm thinking of ending things. How did I do? I think you did well. I think that was good. I, I don't think I could do any better. I... <laughs> I could not, I couldn't think of words to describe this film. This this movie truly is strange in the sense that, like, any Kaufman movie is going to be strange, you know? There are things like uh, Lucy's name changing throughout the film, and there are things like her coat that is constantly changing colors, and there's a walking pig that has maggots rotting from its inside that talks and walks around, and there's this also this intercutting with this old man janitor working at this high school that we don't get explanation of who it is until the very end. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of strangeness and intricacies, I'd call it, that are laced throughout the movie that, upon further review, because I recommend, if you're interested, I've talk to some people and they did not like the movie but if you're interested i recommend you watch it at least another time because you you really are able to kind of get some more context and understanding of a lot of the things that may have seemed confusing initially but yeah i i really enjoyed this movie you know i thought that it's intense intimacy and introspectiveness in terms of relationships and ending relationships especially was really well done you know I just I really connected with it on that level and I don't know I I thought this movie was really special yeah I I feel like the more Jared you and I talk about this film the more I slowly start to like it because upon first watch I don't think I was a huge fan and maybe it's because I've over Kaufman'd myself with um you know going through my film film school phase and just like overdoing it um with eternal sunshine or something um but i think in charlie kaufman tradition this film is super surreal and i have in a way like i do love that you know it's it's surreal there are things that just like are never really confirmed nor denied are never really like there are so many loose ends that are like up for interpretation that i think makes me love these films so much. Um, but, you know, as as a human, I have to do that thing where I'm like, make it make sense, Erica. <laughs> I have to, like, rationalize certain actions, like, what and interpret them in ways that I can, you know, my human brain can digest. So, like, one of my favorite scenes in the film is when the young woman is, had just, has just um, gotten to her partner's parents' home. Um, and she's, like, kind of tinkering around with all of the whatever tchotchkes, like, laying around. Um, and she notices all of the scratches on the door. And she, you know, asks the man. She's like, oh, what is that from? And it, like, starts to turn, like, really creepy. And, you know, the scratches look like they could possibly be from someone trying to like get in or out of the door the doorway whatever um and to which he replies oh it's my dog jimmy and up until this point we have no knowledge of a dog being in this home at all and suddenly a dog appears and in my head 
my human brain is trying to rationalize this and be like, maybe this is representative of like the little things in life that we ignore when we're in relationships and we're focusing on the negatives and we're thinking about ending things and we're, we can't pay attention to anything but how that idea is just like festering in our mind. Maybe we miss the good things. Maybe we miss the charming dog that just happens to be roaming around this home. Or maybe another thought, it's just one of those things where like you get so caught up that things that happen around you just seem completely coincidental and like situational. It's like, oh, you have the perfect answer for this. You have the perfect excuse for this one thing. Like you have this excuse for all the scratches on the door. Of course, there's a dog. Of course, you know, of course it had to be something. I don't know. You know, does that make sense? Like, I feel like, like in my head, I had to like rationalize the weird absurdities in this film. And I feel like that's just how I watch these. I that's how I've got, I feel like that's just how I watch my Charlie Kaufman film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, and I think it's with like all movies, right? Is like you do, you have to find your grounding within it. You know, you have to, it has to do with your suspension of disbelief and like how much are you willing as a viewer to accept as ridiculous, you know, until you can't accept it anymore. And I think that's, that's a very heavy and real thing in Kaufman's movies is how intense is your suspension of disbelief. And I, and I think for me, like personally, for being honest, like I saw a ton of sunshine at such a young age. And I mean, by that, I mean like 15 or something, you know, that like my, my level of suspension of disbelief for movies was like so high or so low, depending how you look at it, you know? Where, like, at this point, I was I was willing to be okay with her jacket constantly changing colors. And I was willing to, like, have Toni Collette be all over the place. And also, I also add, Toni Collette's performance in this is incredible. It is great, as always. But I, I really loved her in this. Oh, yeah, no, I do, too. I feel like Toni Collette can never fuck up a mom character. Like, I feel like she just... I can't think of, like, her more recent roles where she hasn't played, like, a mom in some way. She really, she's perfecting it. She, yeah, she's mastering that, that role. Truly. And I'm so here, I'm so here for the Tony Collette renaissance of moms. Yeah, you know, this movie was just one that it is so personally detailed and it's so specific in its things. Yet it's also very vague and it's very open for... Uh, for you as a viewer to kind of put yourself in those places. And, it, and it's doing that intentionally because this movie is literally about that, about projecting and making assumptions and creating these fantasies in your mind, as Jake does with Young Woman. But this movie for me, like, there were there were just so many these tiny details just strung throughout for me that that really just stood out for me as, like, yes, that's that's it you know and and i and i think this movie really captures that idea of of the ending of things of the finality and the the strange intimacy you almost find with someone in the ending of a relationship you know there's there's a moment and a line in the movie i really like where young woman is talking about the end of their relationship and how they both may look back at this moment and find find it almost to be humorous and like become fond of this moment that they shared together in the car where they're just together, you know, just that exactly. 
And, and that's like, because that's how it really is. You know, when you get that thought of thinking of ending things, it doesn't leave. It's in your mind. And it's like, once you begin that thought process, it never, it's always there, you know? And yeah, this movie, this movie just spoke to me. I don't know. I can't explain it. I get it. I get it. We've, Jared and I have actually had this um, conversation previously, but I understand that your love for it comes out of perhaps a love for sad boys. It, it it comes, yeah, we're we're back to the sad boy conversation, which is fine because like, where else would he, we end up? But I mean, it, it is like, you know, Eternal Sunshine or Blue Valentine and it's that, I, Blue, Blue Valentine's a bad example because Ryan Gosling and that is like not good. But you know, in a, in the same way of like Eternal Sunshine, you know, there there is that that dread and that uh, just true melancholy experience of of the end of things, you know, and you know it, you feel it you see it, you smell it when you're there and it just like, it stinks like a pig, honestly. And, and it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of those things like you can't, you can't describe it. You almost, you have to make a movie about it to describe it. Right. And it's, and it's just such a real deep emotion and existence within your life, within the relationship itself, even. And to me, this movie really gets that, you know, this movie really captures that part of it in a way that is is universal but also very specific and very personal and and I'm I'm here for those kind of things you know I'm here for those personal experiences I love that for you in like the most non-sarcastic way <laughs> that I could possibly say that you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> I yeah um, I hear you yeah, on that I, I just keep thinking about um, maybe, maybe this is just like one of the reasons why I originally didn't like the film because I feel like these things go right over my head. I keep thinking about that, that scene where they stop at a Tulsi town to get like blizzards essentially. Um, and that the, the woman, the girl behind the counter is saying, oh, sorry about, I don't, I'm thinking about that, that part where she's like, sorry about the smell, like where we're refinishing something or something like that. And then at the end of it, she's like, we're actually not. That's not what that smell is. And and like, I want to know. Mm. And the rash on her yeah. arm. What is that all about? But also those two girls who are like laughing at the guy, laughing at Jake, who are also laughing at the janitor at the school. Maybe it's just one of those things. I have to be better about reading more, like reading more reviews and like, more interpretations of what other people get out of it. I have to just be better about it. I could probably answer my own question if I would just um, Googled it, I suppose. What I recommend is, and I recommend this for everyone who is a lover of film and movies, uh, is Letterboxd. Um, Letterboxd is this really great app that's on your phone. It's also a desktop app website. And it basically is like a film diary. It's like Goodreads, but for movies. And I use Letterboxd most just to like log and diary what movies I watch in my life. But it's also really great in reading other people's thoughts and reviews. You know, you have 
You have some that are more serious and thought out and like lengthy, almost essays on there. But there's also shorter, quick take, you know, like two sentence blurbs about a movie that, in my opinion, sometimes can be really funny. Just really funny hot takes about a movie. And I highly recommend it if you're ever someone who is like, oh man, like I want, I have a Google Doc on my phone or like notes on my phone for like movies people recommend to me. Letterboxd has that in it. It has a watch list integrated in it. You can also create lists on Letterboxd. Um, It's a really great app and I recommend it. So Erica, if you're looking for some quick, if you're looking for some quick, easy access to like movie reviews, I recommend that. So like right after I log it, I go and I read like some of my top reviews about it. Letterbox, get it. It's great. It's changed my life. It's also kind of bad because like it gives you stats for like how many movies you watch in a week, in a month, in a year. So like now the number of now it's like the number of movies I watched last year. I'm not on track to watch as many movies this year. And I'm like, you know, I get this year's like pandemic, but I'm a little upset because I'm like, why am I on a slower pace? I know why, but I'm not happy about it. So now it's like a competition. I mean, is it embarrassing or are you just like bragging? I mean, it depends on who you're talking to. Or like two weeks ago, I watched like 16 movies that week and I was like, holy fuck. I mean, I also feel like right now that's like, that's like a totally like normalized thing. Like what else is there to do? You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Are you making one? Yeah, I am. Can you tell? Because I'm quiet and I'm just looking down at my phone. I, I can. You've been quiet. Yeah. Um, follow me once you have it. Oh, I, I won't. I don't want to, I don't want to like egg on the competition for you. You know what I mean? Okay. Whatever you say. <laughs> oh, you're hurt. Nope. I'm just, uh, I'm thinking of ending things. Just a, te- a single tear? You, what if you just like hung up right now? <laughs> just like, uh. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of ending things and just burped up. Yeah. Anyways, those two films, Lingo Franca, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, are both streaming now on Netflix. Please take a watch, steal someone's account, username, password, and then, you know, hop on. Um, add it to your queue. Add it to their queue. Whatever. Now, if we move on to one of my, you know, not that I didn't enjoy both of those movies, but now, like, we get to, like, the the meat of, of our conversation um, because I have so much to talk about. Um, and you already know we're about to talk about Lovecraft Country and episode five. Is that what that just aired? I think it was five. I don't know. It's the body. It's the body horror episode for those who want context. Oh my god! <laughs> Spoiler warning. Trigger Stop warning. Right now, if all you're the keeping warnings. up with the show and haven't watched the episode yet, or if you know body dysmorphia and extreme gore are not your thing, we aren't going to see anything. But we're going to talk about it because I want to talk about some of that shit. Oh my god! Just holy Listen, shit! I want to start with. What? Oh, and yes, I was right. I, okay, I know that, right, you know, as we're documenting this in our podcast, it's going to sound like I'm wrong because it's going to sound like I'm talking about how I thought Uncle George wasn't dead, but that wasn't the thing I was right about. I was right about that fucking bitch. What is her name? Whatever. I knew that those two blonde, those two young blondes, I was like, they're either the same person or it is like a Lannister thing, and they're both these like blonde, blue-eyed siblings that are fucking. Um, 
And, you know, I'm really glad it's not the latter, but it's also just as uh, worrisome and, like, honestly, uh, unsettling being the former, that they are the same person. And, but I get it, you know? I get it. I feel, I feel for her, though. I feel like this is the episode where I was able to, like, somehow empathize with her, you know? Like, maybe she... Sorry, I know that we're skipping, like, way ahead in the episode. I know we have we have so much more to backtrack after I say this. But I feel like I get when she was talking about, you know, magic gives you power to do whatever the fuck you want. And she wanted to always prove herself to her dad, you know, but her dad wanted a fucking son so he could be a part of the order or whatever. And she fucking did that. She was like, listen, I am taking the bull by the horns. I am now a white man. I can do whatever I want. I am the top of the pyramid right now. And I understand that for her. I get it. But it's still fucked up. And it was fucked up to fuck Letty's sister like that. Anyways, what were you going to say? I don't even know. Just that, like, I really love how every episode is, like, almost its own different genre, you know? I feel like every episode of Lovecraft that we've gotten so far has presented itself and worked in like a different sort of genre which is re- which is just really interesting you know because i feel like we have those kind of things where shows do different genres for every, every episode but like it's in it's a anthology sort of thing or it's a sh- you know people are like oh this show's like really consistent in it's like tone and style but this one I really feel like every episode has been this different kind of genre. You know, you had the haunted house and you had like the monsters in the woods. And now this one, you have this like really gruesome, like body horror sort of violence and shit happening. And it's just really interesting to me. Like the show truly is unique and special and different in a really great way. And there was the, and there was the adventure episode where there's like a, Indiana oh yeah, Jones the last episode, sort of the thing, one before this know? last one. There's like, I, and this is one of those shows where every episode. I think like, is that a standard for HBO series right now that every episode is directed by someone different? Uh, it it depends really. Um, it depends on if it's a limited series or if it's yeah, like uh, you know, series or episodic thing. Which also I want to point out. Thank you for bringing that up. Cheryl Dunn directed this last episode. Shout out, Cheryl Dunn, um, super kick-ass, awesome director. If you don't know her, check her out. Uh, She, yeah, local filmmaker, um, is having some virtual talks online with the Roxy and some other theaters. So check her out. She's really awesome. I think she has her stuff streaming on Criterion right now as well. So I recommend Watermelon Woman as well as some of her other shorts. Um, they're really cool. They're really great. But yeah, they're each one also is like unique in that. And like not only is it's like genre different, but it like has a different yeah. it also just style like to varies it, you know? in like mood so differently. Like like despite um the episodes taking place like one after another, like it ends in one moment and like the next episode begins and like I think it's only has that happened yet? I feel like it might have. But like, you know, like ends in that same moment. Like I feel like it it even has like a, a sudden different tone completely, you know? Yeah. I mean, if I'm being honest, 
the at least like one consistency is Jonathan Majors. I think body. it's not a consistency. Um, it's just like progressively getting better. Like you know what I mean? It is. It really is. I want to know how. Like maybe, he like doesn't work he's out. He's magic. just like harvest. He's like doing the Doctor Strange thing where he's just like harvesting magic to like make himself like ripped. Yeah, and also Jonathan Majors is supposed to be in the next Ant Man movie, which I'm not crazy about the Ant Man movies, but maybe I am now. Maybe I'm just like a big Ant Man fan. Yeah, like I have Ant Man merch. I got a poster. I got socks, oh wait, so weird is that? Kind of is that yeah. what was hanging up behind you? Yeah, that is that's that's what's yeah my for those who can't see because none of you can see because this is a podcast. Uh, my entire room has <laughs> now become Ant Man attired. Stuff, Ant Man themed. Um, ah, he's just great, you know. He was great in the Five Bloods. He was great in Last Black Man. He's really great in this. Give me more. Now, I can't wait. Ah, but yeah, this show's like just we we've said it before, but like HBO really is like doing it this summer, you know. Insecure. I May Destroy You, Lovecraft Country, and now we have a new show, which we'll be talking about soon. Luca's new show, We Are Who We Are, which is going to be on HBO in a few weeks. I'm excited about that one. That one also looks really good. It almost looks like a euphoria sort of show in a way, you know? Pretty angsty. You know what else I'm really excited about? But also pretty beautiful. Pen15, or like penis? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. I'm super excited. Did you see that the second season's coming out on the 18th? So, I'm going to let both the audience and Erica know for the first time. I've never watched Pen15. Um, and so, I'm not excited about it because I am not in the know about Pen15. Okay, well, you should watch it. So, I cannot it. share the same excitement. I, yeah, I haven't laughed so hard where like I almost peed myself like that like in a very long time. Yeah, it's hilarious. And, like... Maybe it's because I can, like, as as someone who grew up as a an adolescent girl, like, I can relate to it so much. But it's also just, like, hilarious. It's, like, if... It's just ridiculous. I love it so much. And I can't wait for the next... The new season to come out. Oh, maybe I'll... Maybe I'll pick up on that because I just finished Legend of Korra, which, if anybody else watches Legend of Korra, exceptional. Um... And I'm currently, all I'm watching right now is Teen Avatar, or <laughs> Teen Avatar. Uh, all I'm watching currently is Teen Titans on HBO Max. So that's kind of where yeah, my life is. So maybe I'll pick up Pet 15. I've been cutting down my subscriptions heavily because I've been getting broke. I just canceled Spotify. I just canceled hey, Spotify? some other things. I canceled our Zoom. No, we don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, wait. I canceled. <laughs> <laughs> I canceled my Spotify oh, okay. premium. Which is fine. We'll see. I don't know. I still have it till like October 7th. So like I could change my mind. I also realize I should be putting those $10 a month to somewhere more important. Like feeding myself instead of, you know, like not eating lunch. Yeah. You could buy you could buy which one is lunch. What I've been doing. With the money that you're saving from Spotify. Yeah. One lunch a month. Treat yourself that's to a one start. lunch a month. That's a good start. Now say something. What are you excited yeah. about, Jared, this week? I'm excited. I'm excited about the air in the Bay Area starting to get a little bit better because, like you said, Erica, my room has been very stuffy 
and like I'm 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 a I'm a pretty clean person, but like I'm also just like a sweaty boy and it's ripe. Not gonna lie. So I'm excited to hopefully open my windows soon. I'm also excited to go and get some vegan mob because I haven't had it in a while. And, I and now you have $10. Mob, so I'm going to try and get right? that. Yeah. And now I have $10. So that'll be, I'll probably only get an order of lumpia and some rice. But it'll be fantastic. I'm very excited about it. I, I'm excited yeah. about Pen what are you excited about? and watching Antebellum. I'm like, I'm so, I'm so stoked. I feel like that's. You didn't say anything huh? about Antebellum. You like okay. I'm sorry. Laughed over saying Antebellum. I'm really excited about watching Antebellum. I'm laughing because I uh, don't know how else to um, express my feelings other than humor. Like I have a hard time being in tune with my emotions, so I cover it all up with humor, and that's why. It, well, it Jared sounds and like I you're really, really excited to come back and talk to you next week because it sounds like we have a lot to talk about um, between new shows, new movies, new life experiences. Um, and we can't wait to come back. Uh, so thanks again for listening. This has been Cinema Club. You can follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcast and on Instagram at Cinema Club. And thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye.